This is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome a dear friend and colleague back to the show, Sam Horn. Sam, I'm so delighted to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to sharing some ideas with your listeners. Yes, and we're going to talk about how to find clarity for the rest of your life and activate your now. And Sam, we're going to talk about this extraordinary new book that you have out, but I want to start with the premise of procrastination because so many people are putting off today what they can be doing right now. Why do we put off what we want to do? You know, John Cotter out of Harvard says, do you know what the number one prerequisite is for change? A sense of urgency. And I think many Mm -hmm. of us assume an automatic later, tomorrow, right? So there's no urgency. And that's why in the book, we talk about how to give ourselves a S-E-E, a significant emotional event, a pretend one, so we can get the epiphany without the pain of a real one. Beautifully put. Sam, your book is called Someday is Not a Day in the Week, 10 Hacks to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And I was telling you before we started the show today that I really have fallen in love with your book and I'm I'm gifting it to friends and loved ones. And the book is filled with incredible quotes. Now, I know you, so I know that you love quotes, but this is just ripe with more than 200 from Beyonce to Bill Gates. So tell us more about your favorites and why quotes resonate for you. You know, I I think we both agree, Caroline, that quotes are distilled wisdom. In today's short attention span world, they can facilitate an epiphany often like in five seconds. Like here's one from Paulo Coelho. One day we're going to wake up and there won't be any time left to do the things we've always wanted to do. Well, that quote actually motivated me to give away 95% of what I owned and set out on my year by the water because it was something I always wanted to do. And I realized I didn't want regrets. I wanted results. So I set it in motion. And I've been following your year by the water. It's been exciting to watch you chronicle that on social media. Uh, You know, it's interesting because I pulled something from this weekend, one of your recent quotes, and you talk about your recent experience at the Book Expo. And you, you mentioned something about the golden hour light in Texas. And I'd love for you to share that story because I can actually visualize that beautiful golden light. You know, Caroline, it's uh, the first and most frequently asked question on my year by the water was, don't you ever get lonely? And the answer was no. And the reason is, I think we can be connected to moments. We can be connected to places. We don't just need to be connected with people. For example, I'm driving through Texas and many people think of Texas as flat and dry and barren, but I was in hill country in spring and I come up over this hill and there are golden fields stretched out to the horizon on all sides of me. And and I had to get out of the car and stand there just to drink it in. And I realized that there was no one around and yet I wasn't lonely. I was deeply connected with that moment. It will be one of my most cherished memories for the rest of my life. Oh, that's beautiful. I can just feel and, and see that light. It's You painted such a beautiful picture. So you talk about how we need to stop watering dead plants. Tell me more about that. 
<laughs> you know, good old uh, Joyce Myers said, life may give you a cactus. You don't have to sit on it. <laughs> and that is one of the most important lessons in the Someday book is that many of us are in toxic relationships or toxic situations, and we feel it's our duty, our responsibility to keep these commitments. And what I found is that we can often revisit these commitments. We can renegotiate these responsibilities so that they're not unhealthy. In fact, uh, this idea of don't water dead plants is to ask ourselves, is there a person in our life? And it seems like whenever we're around them, they're griping or they're grumbling. This is wrong or this person did this. That person is draining our energy, is actually sapping our confidence and our ability to like ourselves and like our life. Perhaps it's time to stop watering that dead plant. And once again, a dead plant is a relationship or a situation that is actually draining us of the energy and the confidence to make our life what we want it to be instead of putting it off. That is a great story. Sam, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. Sam, you believe that we're never too old for new dreams. So I know you've got some incredible and inspiring success stories about people who've turned their dreams into reality. Would you share one today from the book? You bet, Caroline. It's, uh, it is so important for us to remember that dreaming costs nothing, not dreaming costs everything. And last year, I was crowdsourcing the subtitle for my book, and a woman got in touch, and she said, I think you should subtitle it, Do It or Stop Talking About It. And she said, I told my husband for 10 years that I wanted to ride a bike across America. And he said, will you do me a favor? Will you either do it or stop talking about it? And she said, I am now 1,700 miles into my 3,400-mile journey. And so when this popped up on Facebook last week, I reshared it as such an inspiring story. Well, guess who got in touch? Jill Hockley Peterson with a picture of her by the Pacific Ocean holding her bike above her head, triumphant because she did a dream that she had always been thinking about and talking about, and she finally did it. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. You know, I loved uh, the back jacket of your book with all the endorsement quotes because we share a dear friend in Gail Sheehy. And Gail mentioned that your book is a glorious passage into second adulthood. And while I fully agree with Gail, I would argue that this book is multi-generational. I hear so many young people who postpone their dreams and plan so far into the future that they're missing out on the now. What's your take on that, Sam? 
You know, you are right, is that, uh, you know, there are many young people who are paying off college debt, many young people who um, are already feeling the responsibility of needing to get a job, and they believe that work and recreation is separate. Somewhere along the line, they thought, well, I'll have fun when I get my work done, and and that is uh, a regret waiting to happen. So that's one reason why we talk about figure out one thing that puts the light on in your eyes. And it is not selfish to do one thing that puts the light on in your eyes every week. It's smart. Do we have time for a quick success story? Oh, please, please. Well, there was a young woman grew up in the Midwest, and she was uh, the star of her high school musical and, and also was in community theater. So she moved to Broadway with the hopes of getting roles. Well, two years later, she is still waitressing. She is still sleeping on a friend's couch and going to auditions and getting rejected, and she's about to give up and go home. Well, she discovered about Daybreaker, and Daybreaker is a dance movement where instead of dancing at night with bouncers and substances, you dance in the morning with welcoming committees and green juice and yoga. And she said that she made more friends in one week than she had in two years. And she didn't have much money, but it only costs like $25. And every week they're in a different location. So she is meeting new people. She is experiencing all these fabulous places in the city. And it was something that she felt she didn't have the time or the money to do that between going to auditions and waitressing and so forth. It's just that it takes about two hours a week for $25. And once again, now she is loving her life because she did one thing she looks forward to every week instead of life being a grind at age 25. What a great story. And I love that it's just one incremental action step that launched her into a whole new mindset. You know, that is right. We we don't have to wholesale change our life. It is uh, There's an example of uh, another individual. And when we filled out our two-minute happiness box, it's in the book, is that he discovered that something he really missed was gardening. He had grown up on his farm. His parents had put him in charge of the family farm a garden when he was 10 years old. He felt so responsible. He loved digging his, his hands into that soil. Well, when I said, okay, you have the answers to the test. You know one thing that's going to help you like yourself in your life. He said, Sam, I live in a city. I live in an apartment building. That's not going to happen. I said, now get creative. I bet you have friends who have gardens or there's a community garden. Well, he got back in touch with me. He had a friend who was a corporate landscaper who said, you can come and work in my potting shed anytime you want to. So now for free, for no money, whenever he wants, he gets to do something that thrills him once again, that he looks forward to. And even if he just does it once or twice a month, it's something that instead of days and weeks and months going by promising ourselves that someday we're going to do something that we enjoy. You know, when our work is done, when we're not so busy, we can bring it into our life now, not later, is now is the new later. Sam, this is so logical and so exciting, but some people are naysayers and they feel that it's selfish to do what makes them happy. How do you respond to them? You know, we we were taught along the way that to take care of others and many parents sacrifice themselves for their kids. And so we learned along the way that sometimes hap- we feel happiness is frivolous or we feel that we're taking away from people 
when we do something that makes us happy. Can we please reframe that right now? As Esther Hicks says, my happiness is on me, so you're off the hook. When we understand that when we sacrifice ourselves for others, what we're teaching them is that we don't matter, that what we want and need doesn't count. It is actually healthier for all involved for us to get clear about one thing that we're good at, that, that brings us joy, and to make time for that. Because what we're saying is, I absolutely take care of other people, and I also take care of me. I absolutely serve the people in my life, and I serve me. What we're modeling for people is balance. And when we take responsibility for our own happiness, we set a precedent that gives the people around us permission to do the same. That's a beautiful reframe. So you recommend that we align with people who have our back and our front because people can't jump on our bandwagon if it's parked in the garage, which is such a brilliant quote. So give us an example, Sam. You know, it's, uh, well, I'll give my example of my son, is that my son, uh, right out of college, Virginia Tech, got a job as an executive recruiter. And a year later, I had dinner with him, and the light was out of his eyes. And and I asked what he wanted to do, and he says, I appreciate this job. I know I'm lucky. I work in a big building down in D.C., and I make good money. It's just that I do not see the rest of my life making cold calls and working in a high-rise. I asked what he wanted to do. Well, he wanted to start a nonprofit. This conservative person I didn't even know existed came out and perched on the tip of my tongue. It's like, nonprofit, health insurance. Thankfully, another voice came out and said, Andrew, you've always been resourceful. I know if you put your mind to it, you can make it work. The key, Caroline, is that he found something called the Affinity Lab, because if he had tried to start a nonprofit out of his bedroom, he probably would have run out of energy or discipline. But at that, at that Affinity co-share workspace is that his first week, someone walked by, said, what are you working on? said, well, I'm trying to get in touch with the Parks and Recreation Department to get permission to use this lake for our camp for disability kids so that they can get out on the lake and water ski and get into the water. He said, well, call Rob. He's a friend of mine. A week later, someone else walked by. What are you working on? Well, I'm trying to get some grants and some funding. Oh, well, here's the template, the proposal I used last year. And do you know, Dreams for Kids Now has helped thousands of young people with disabilities get off the sidelines and into the games of life. And it may never have helped, may never have happened if Andrew had tried to grow it alone. If you have a passion project, if you're trying to go it alone in isolation, you may run out of energy or passion or perseverance. Find someone, an accountability group, a co-work space where the people around you can support you and encourage you and give you contacts because together you can create a rising tide that raises all involved. Sam Horn, thank you so much for joining me today on Your Working Life. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about not waiting for someday to live your best life. And of course, your book is called Someday is Not a Day in the Week. 10 Hacks to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. So Sam, give us a sneak peek. What's next for you? Oh, you know, I realized that I'm not finished traveling yet, Caroline, that 
that we keep coming back to what puts the light in our eyes and discovering new places and new people does that for me. So I'm going to be heading to the the Great Lakes next and uh, sharing it in book events and salons across the country with associations and corporations and with book clubs. That is lovely. Well, the light in your eyes is contagious and inspiring, and I'm so grateful to know you, Sam. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Caroline. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because that helps people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to hear on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I always want to give a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dow Higgins. Thanks for listening.